Good morning. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you now. We have heard your living word read. We would ask, Lord, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would speak through me, not my words, but the words that you would have me say and share, that you would open our ears, our hearts, and our spirits to receive the message that you would have all of us here and that we would be transformed by it. And may your words not come back empty to you, for you are our rock and our redeemer. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, this weekend we begin a new series entitled Resurrect Me. As we move through this series, our hope is that it will lead us all to a place of significant self-awareness. When we look at what's going on in the world now, and particularly in our United States, if we're honest, I think we'd have to agree that self-awareness is lacking here. Many people are pointing out how other people, how other groups are off base or don't have it together, while they that are pointing fingers are walking around with no awareness of their own issues. And I would offer that the proverbial they that we are pointing to at times is us. You know, God won't heal who you are pretending to be. God won't heal who you're pretending to be. We all have issues that we need to deal with. The problem is we don't want to admit that we have any. We don't want to face them even if we know we have them. And we certainly don't want to deal with them, so we shove them down. And there they stay. This really is at the core of what this particular season is all about. We actually began this season, this past Wednesday night, with our Ash Wednesday service. It's a season called Lent. And Lent is a 40-day journey that does not count Saturdays between Ash Wednesday and Easter. It's a time of introspection, a time of our coming to terms with our own mortality, a time with... A, emphasis on being aware of our sinfulness as we journey toward Easter. It's also a time that we pre prepare ourselves not only to celebrate Easter, but to celebrate resurrection and experience it to the fullest. On this journey, we typically look at giving something up for Lent. It could be chocolate, another favorite food, it could be anything. Some people take on something new. I would offer to you and hope that through this series, we would come to a self-awareness to give up some of those things that are holding us back, that keep us from living a resurrected life. The only way to Easter is through Good Friday, and the only way to resurrection is through the cross. And I would offer that we need to lay some things down at the cross to be in a position to ask God to resurrect us. 
back in the day for me when I worked in corporate America, I can remember getting angry about different situations. Sometimes they would be little ones and sometimes bigger ones, but they would just eat at me. And I can remember sometimes, particularly in those early years, coming home just filled with anger over something. And as soon as I walked in the door, it seemed, or shortly thereafter, there my husband Mike would be, and I would lash out at him for some reason. And he would look at me and go, hey, what are you all angry about? I didn't do anything to you. I had to become self-aware that I was bringing anger into our relationship. And so in doing so, we came up with a code word that in particular I could use when I came home angry from time to time, and it would usually be a silly word. And when I would walk in the house and have had a particularly angry day with myself or with a situation, I'd say that silly word to him so that he would know it wasn't about him, and I'd start giggling, and he would giggle too. And the thing about it is that would sort of take the edge off and help in our relationship. Now, it didn't stop there, I must admit. I had to come to terms with my own anger and figure out ways to deal with it in constructive ways, constructive ways that would help me personally, maybe help my department and coworkers and the company as a whole. In today's message, what I want to do with us is spend some time and talk and meditate on two kinds of anger. One is constructive anger, and the other one is destructive anger. And to do that, we're going to look at two different passages. If you have your Bibles with you, and even if you don't, there should be a Bible in the back of your pew, I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke, the 22nd chapter, because that's where we're going to first dig in. Now, you only heard a piece of that scripture from Luke 22, starting at verse 49. But what's happening here is we're catching up with Jesus and his followers just before he's arrested. And at that juncture, some of his followers, at least, ask him, should they pull their swords to defend him? when the religious leaders and the Romans came to arrest him. However, before Jesus could ever get the words out of his mouth, Peter drew his sword and cut off the right ear of the high priest. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor Fay. Scripture doesn't say that there. It doesn't say that it was Peter that did it. And you know how sometimes you have to match Scripture against Scripture? Well, this passage is also spoken about over in John. So you might hold your place and flip over to John, 18th chapter, verse 10. And John specifically says that it was Peter who drew his sword and cut off the ear of the high priest's servant. Now, we all know who Peter is. Peter is one of the apostles, right? He was also impulsive. Peter would often act before he thought. 
And I'm sure after this was all said and done, he wasn't very happy about what he did. Because you see, we know that he didn't ask Jesus, should he do this before he did it? He just did it. And we know that Jesus didn't really want him to do this. Why? Because the verse right after he did it, Jesus said, enough of this. Can't you just see Jesus holding up his hand toward Peter? Enough of this. And then he walked to that servant and laid his hand on that servant's head, right at his right ear, and he healed him. How often are we so much like Peter in our passion and in our anger in those moments? We say something or we do something in a fit of anger, and later we are so sorry for it. It's happened to me. I ran across this quote, and I had heard it said this way years ago, and I think it's so true, and it's something that might could have helped Peter, and it certainly can help us today. The quote is by Thomas Jefferson, and it goes like this. When angry, count to 10 before you speak. If very angry, a 100. How true. Pastor Faye would add one more thing to that. In between the counting, would you please take a few breaths, a few deep breaths? That really will help to get that temperature down, that passion down. You know, the truth is that looking at anger, we can't avoid it because it's a natural emotion for us. We're human beings. So the thing is, Anger is going to happen. It's a matter of how we deal with it, how we interact with it. Do we react or do we respond? Sometimes anger is so clear and so strong and so impulsive and so loud, and it can be very deadly. We saw evidence of that this last week, when undoubtedly some unresolved anger was involved in some way that channeled itself in a horrific way to cause this catastrophic event where 17 precious lives were taken. We're broken about that. I've cried many tears over it, and I know you have too. Anger can be an anger that builds over time as well, kind of like under the surface. This morning, I got up and boiled me an egg for breakfast. I usually have a boiled egg on Sunday mornings when I am up here on the platform. And so I was milling around in the kitchen, making sure it didn't boil too long. And I remember watching the water bubble. Before it came to a full boil, there were these little tiny bubbles that came up, and then a simmer. And isn't anger like that at times? It simmers. And if you don't turn the heat just right, it'll continue to simmer. I remember being angry with a coworker years ago and every time their name was brought up, I would have a flashback of the time that they hurt my feelings. 
And at times, I would even lean over <laughs> to a friend and say, boy, this is tough even to hear their name because I remember when they did such and so. Anger is a very complicated emotion. But if we don't deal with it, it festers and it become, become destructive. In Ephesians, we hear, don't let anger, don't go to bed or the sun go down with anger in your heart. That was one of the last things my mama told me before Mike and I uh, left for Louisiana after we got married. She said, work your stuff out. Don't go to bed. Don't go to bed angry with one another. Now, sometimes you do need to wait overnight, <laughs> you know. We've had to wait overnight, and sometimes a few days. But in the scheme of things, I think the, um, if not the letter of that, the sense of it is, deal with it as soon as you can. Don't let it fester. Don't tuck it down. We know that anger is present in relationships with the ones that we love the most in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our workplace. And okay, here it comes, y'all. Elephant in the room. It's in the church. It's in the church. I found a couple cartoons. This first one that I found reminds me, yeah, of a true story. It happened in a church a long way away. There was this young pastor that was appointed to this small little church that just wasn't growing. Everybody in that church was over 55. And he knew if that church was going to survive, they needed to get some young families in, right? So he started an evangelism campaign on his own. And before you know it, all these young families came in with their little children it wasn't long till the phone rang. Hello, Pastor, can we come, a few of us, and meet with you this afternoon? You know what's coming. So they came and met with him, and they said, Pastor, you got to do something about this. We've got all these kids running around in this church, and they're just going to mess everything up. They're loud. They come in the sanctuary and every now and then want to cry out or say something to mama and daddy. I can't focus on you. You're going to have to get them out of here. Now, this was a church that prided itself in being a friendly, welcoming church. The second illustration I found maybe needs... No comment. Just read the caption. You get it? You get it? Two things I'd like to say about that. First of all, the pastor, as well as all of you, none of us are immune from getting wounded by those who have destructive anger. And you know what's interesting with that pastor standing behind the pulpit? He's ready to deliver a sermon, right? Henry Nowen wrote a book called The Wounded Healer years ago. 
And I think the positive of that picture is, as wounded as we are, as wounded as we might be in the future, God can use that woundedness in a positive way. Let's look at some constructive anger that came from Jesus. Now I'm going to get you to turn. If you'll turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 3. Now let me set this up for you. We're going to look at these passages again, but when you go home, in addition to doing this devotion this week, I would ask you to read chapter 2 in Mark because in that chapter, the religious leaders are after Jesus. They were constantly after him, trying to trip him up about something. It was the Sabbath. It was in church, <laughs> the synagogue, their church back then. A man with a shriveled hand came in. Now the religious leaders were there and they were already in their anger looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched to see if Jesus would heal this man on the Sabbath. Because you see, it would have been a violation of one of those many Sabbath laws for Jesus to heal this man because healing was considered work and you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. Now Jesus knew what they were thinking he read their minds, and what they were thinking was premeditated anger. Premeditated anger. Jesus commanded the man to come before the crowd. So Jesus didn't sneak the man off to the side and do this. He did it in front of all the people that were gathered. And he asked that man to stretch his hand out. He asked the religious leaders, was it lawful? on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to heal or to kill. Interesting that Jesus used those particular words. Here we are in church, their synagogue. They're wanting to accuse him of healing on the Sabbath when he knew in his mind they had evil on their minds. They wanted to accuse him. They wanted to make sure that he got arrested and was killed. They remained silent. Jesus looked at them and he was angry. Jesus was angry. And he was angry mixed in with some emotions of grief and sadness that these men would stop him from doing something good, healing someone on the Sabbath. Instead of reacting, he responded when he healed the man in spite of what they may think or do later. Friday, a week ago, we had night to shine here at Mount Horeb. What a wonderful event this was, not only for our special needs attendees, which numbered close to 300, and another probably 400 volunteers, if not more, 
I happened to be there. I was one of very many volunteers. It was wonderful. My spirit soared. After the event, one of the attendees, Reuben Cleckley, went out to dinner with his sister, Adriana McCullough. They went out to eat, and once they got into the restaurant, a teenage girl began to bully Reuben. Here is what Adriana wrote on her post on her Facebook. She gave me permission, and so did uh, Reuben's mom, Pat, to share this with you today. Dear clueless teenage girl, when you came in the restaurant tonight, I'm sure you didn't plan to be a bully. You probably didn't even realize at first that the man you were picking on had special needs. But when you did, and you still encouraged your friends to turn around and join you in staring and, and laughing at him, you became one. The man you mocked tonight is my brother Reuben. Since you didn't take into account that he is an individual just like you are, let me take this opportunity to teach you a few things about him. My brother loves to laugh. And other than baseball, it's his favorite pastime. It's not unusual for him to become interested in other people who are doing what he enjoys, laughing. For this, I'm grateful because he didn't even realize you were making fun of him. He sat and smiled, his handsome smile, and paid your behavior no attention whatsoever. Reuben's pretty much a self-declared local celebrity. Everywhere we go, he's waving and smiling. Folks go out of their way to greet him. This is not because he is rich or has a lot of followers on Instagram. It's because he spreads happiness and joy wherever he goes, and people love him for it. Had you taken the time, I feel certain you would have seen this too. The crown that he was wearing tonight was from Tim Tebow's Night to Shine prom. And while it may not mean anything to you, the crown reminded me, as his sister, that Reuben is celebrated and valued by an army of people. These same people see past a label and a disability into the heart of who he is, a child of God. So my dear girl, the point of my story is this. I'm going to pray for you tonight. I'm going to pray that one day your heart is touched by someone with special needs. I'm going to pray that if you become a parent, you won't ever have to sit and listen to a doctor or specialist tell you of all the things your child won't be able to do because of a diagnosis or a disability, but mostly, I'm going to pray that you heard me when I said, 
Don't worry, Rube. She just doesn't realize how awesome you are. Because you don't, you are going to miss out on a lot of fantastic people with an attitude like that. Regardless, I'm going to sleep tonight grateful that I got to boogie down with some awesome dancers, moved that so many in our community of Lexington made such an event possible, and blessed that we are currently watching Home Alone 2 for the 14th millionth time with the world's coolest brother. My hope is that someone shares this post so that somewhere out there, an adult will have an educated conversation with their child, sibling, niece, nephew, or friend about accepting and understanding those with special needs. I think if you could ask every person who attended tonight's prom, they'd be able to share something interesting they learned about their buddy tonight. End of Adriana's post. Now, friends, Adriana had every right to be angry. Instead of reacting in the moment that night, she responded and did so in a constructive way by going home, sitting down to her computer, and writing a very beautiful example of taking a situation and making it constructive. Now, I don't know if the clueless teenager ever read Adriana's post or her friends either. But this is what I do know. I know that even a couple of days later, there had been over 26,000 posts and likes to Adriana's message. In fact, when I talked to her on the phone after I had read it and found out about it, she let me know that WIS News was picking it up and that it would be on that night. She thought at that point at 11 o'clock. Well, when Mike and I turned on the news at 5 or 6 o'clock, we saw the interview with Adriana. I believe the story still posted on WIS. Go out and read some of the beautiful words she had to say. That's taking something that you have every right to be angry about and doing something constructive with it. Now, back to our religious leaders. Instead of celebrating that Jesus was doing something good, healing somebody even, this man with the withered hand, that probably kept him from employment because back then in that kind of society, he would have probably had to use his hands. And so now new life was breathed into him to be able to go back to work. Instead of their celebrating that, 
No. They were plotting and thinking about how they could get our Lord and Savior arrested and killed. You see, they had totally different motivations. A love of themselves, a jealousy of him, what have you. They let their anger fester and fester and fester over time until, yes, we know the rest of the story, they were able to get him arrested and sent to a cross and killed. A low-grade anger that builds is kind of like bubbling below the surface, like I mentioned this morning with my boiled egg. But at some point, it boils and it boils and it boils, and pretty soon it's going to blow. It's kind of like with a pressure cooker. Mama used to have a pressure cooker years and years ago, and it blew up one day. Thank the Lord she wasn't hurt, but we ended up with beans or something up on the ceiling. I don't know. Not all pressure cookers have a dial gauge. Some of them only have a weighted gauge, and if food gets blocked in there, then that pressure continues to build and build and build until it blows, right? And it's the same thing with our anger. If we keep tucking it down and letting it boil and brew, at some point, it's going to explode. Sometimes as anger is bubbling under the surface, it shows up, y'all, in some weird ways. Let me give you an example. I heard this one this past week. There was this guy, and he had a box of golf balls. And he set them on the passenger seat of his little car, which had a sunroof. And as he was driving down the road, and somebody he saw in his rearview mirror get a little too close, he'd get a couple of them and throw them out. Now that is premeditated anger, just like the religious leaders had. They were constantly trying to trap our Jesus. I want to take a moment now and, and speak to you who are on the other side of anger, you who have really been wronged or hurt, something's been taken from you, Maybe it was a parent that took away your childhood in some way. Maybe it's a hurt you received from some broken relationship with a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a husband, a wife. Maybe you were somehow wronged in the workplace even. I want you to do something for me. I want you to name that. Name it. I want you to sit with it for a little bit and think about it. Then I would really pray that you would decide to take it to the cross and lay it down and leave it there. Because you see, people can't take what you've laid down. People can't take what you've 
laid down. No matter how hard that person might try to bring that issue back up and make you feel bad and feel wronged all over again, you've let it go. You've turned it loose. You've laid it at the feet of Jesus at the cross. Also, people can't take from you anything, anything that God cannot heal in you. People can't take from you anything that God cannot heal in you. You know, we need God to feel those holes that are in our hearts with his compassion, his love, his peace. God can do this because on the cross, God was the ultimate sufferer. And as we continue through this Lenten season, we can't get to Easter without making our way to the cross first. I want you to be thinking about what do you need to take to the cross? The cross of Jesus deals with the way that you have been hurt, the way that you have been wounded. And while Jesus suffered on the cross, he was victorious over that suffering that he endured. And when you leave that woundedness, that hurt, that issue that you're going through, that anger that keeps popping up, whatever you're experiencing that you need to get rid of, you will experience anger resolved. I have to stop now and talk just a moment about forgiveness. Forgiveness in relationship to anger, because they're kind of side by side with each other, aren't they? Let me share something with you. You may never get, I'm sorry, from the one who hurt you. You've got to accept it. You may never get paid back that debt owed to you, whatever that debt may look like. You might need to just cancel it, lay it down, let it go. And you might ask, okay, Pastor Faye, how can we do that? Well, it's a process, and there's some steps to it, and it might take a little bit of time. First of all, what kind of anger? do you need to take to the cross? What kind of anger do you need to take to the cross and leave it there? And who are you angry with? Name them. Name the person. Maybe it's someone from a long time ago. Maybe it's someone from right around you right now, close to you even, someone you love. What do they owe you? And I'm sorry, some debt to repay, some vindication that you want to experience. You might need to meditate on this for some days or maybe even a couple of weeks. Then you need to do something else, my friends. You need to send this hurt away. And I would offer to you to do something symbolically, 
physically, do something tangible with it. Write down what it is, who it is. Tie it to a helium balloon and let it go. Maybe write it down, fold it up, go in your backyard, not your neighbor's yard. Dig a little hole and bury it. Maybe it's a picture of someone that you just need to rip. I used to do a prison ministry with teenagers and we did some of these things. And one thing that we did is we would get the teenagers to write down that hurt, that pain, that anger, that whatever it was. And we'd, and we'd get them to fold them up. And after they had been nailed to a cross the night before, we pulled them off and put them in a bucket outside. And we caught that on fire. And we burned them. We burned all those things. And then when it was just ash, we ground it up some more. And then I would take the bucket and go like this, and the ash would just go everywhere. It's gone. It was absolutely gone. Do something to let it go and let it go for good. Forgiveness is setting someone free and then realizing it is you. That's from Rob Bell. Found that this last week. And it's so true. Forgiveness is setting someone free and then realizing that it is you. I don't know what you have to lay at the cross. Only you can answer that question. But my prayer is that during these next days and weeks, that certainly you will want to figure out what it is, lay it at the cross for good, so that then you can truly say to Jesus, resurrect me. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, you have spoken to us in a number of ways today, and we would just pray, all of us, myself included, that we would meditate on all of this and whatever our issues are, and we all have them with anger, with being the brunt of anger, whatever it is, Lord, that you would help us, help us to figure out ways to just lay it down, lay it down for good at the cross. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now, Jack's going to be leading us in just a second at the cross, a beautiful old hymn, beautiful tune. But as he does, this altar is open. And if you know something now that you would like to lay at the altar, come up here and lay it down right here at the beginning of Lent. That is perfectly fine. And then continue your journey in Lent getting ready for a great Easter and a great resurrection, knowing the Lord is going to be with you and you can be healed of this. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.